This is the Influencers Network Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Craig. I get the pleasure of being the Executive Director for Influencers here in Bentonville, Arkansas. Uh, I'm here live with Rocky. We're kind of being able to get together live again, which is nice. As long as as I'm live. (laughs) (laughs) I hope this doesn't kill you. (laughs) And we're trying to to stay six feet apart, but that's a little difficult. Um, But uh, in all seriousness, we we just uh, wanted to just... Make today's podcast really kind of trying to dive in the middle of a very uh, difficult thing. All the all the darkness going on right now, and the uh, COVID still hanging hanging on, and, and trying to affect people and the way we live and all that. And there's still that going on, but then all the all the darkness with uh, the protests that have turned into riots, and you know, they, they, peaceful protests at first, and then it's turned into rioting and. And a lot of people asking questions about race and racial relations and all this kind of stuff. And, you know, and, and people do care what influencers has to say. People, I mean, even my own daughters, uh, Rocky, old adult daughters going, what is influencers saying about all this? You know, so so, Rocky, what are we saying about all this? <laughs> what, I think that I think we always have something to say. But what we say, we hope comes from the Holy Spirit, comes from what he would have us say. So. Mm-hmm. So, Rocky, you, you're a man who uh, is 75 years old, grew up in the Deep South. So if anyone understands racial tensions and things like that, you grew up in the midst of all that, right? Yeah, so sure could, could you comment a little bit about a frame of reference where you're coming from and, and then, and then you've, what you've seen and how you've grown even spiritually to, in the matters of, of racial reconciliation and things like that? Well, I don't, come from, I don't come from the culture I was raised in. Uh, and the culture that I ra- was raised in, uh, I, I think a lot of people would not have seen themselves outright bigoted. But there's a thing called prejudice. Mm-hmm. And prejudice means to prejudge. And so you take a group of people and you don't look at the individuals in that group of people. You look at a person who really offended you or hurt you, they gave a bad representation. And then you prejudice the rest of them and think that they are all the same way. You prejudge them. And prejudging is happening across the lines. It's not just with whites to black, but blacks to whites and to Asians and Hispanics and, you know, the whole, whole gamut because where does that come from, right? It's from the enemy. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so, you know, where I came from, you, you don't choose your family. You don't choose, you know, the culture you're born in. You, that's where you start. And I had good loving parents, and, and I would say that they never were overtly prejudiced, ever. But they identified uh, other races in, in prejudicial ways. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know any difference. I don't think they knew any difference. They're just part of the culture. You know, you grow up in that. And I imagine uh, many of the people that are uh, in blacks, uh, I guess, I, honestly, I think it's, I want to say African-American, then I hear them, some say, no, call me black. Some say, don't call me anything. I, I want to respect their identity mm-hmm. because I have a black grandson mm-hmm. who is uh, 
adopted out of Ethiopia. So he's as African as they could be. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I want to respect his uniqueness and his identity, but also I'm not going to treat him different from the rest of my grandchildren. He's going to be just as equally loved, and he's a joint heir. Mm-hmm. And so the uh, the where I come from is that I had to I had to start with a base. And that is what I absorbed by the culture I was raised in. And then the next thing is what I was taught by the culture I was raised in. And that gives you a base of where you start. And you don't have a choice on that, right? I mean, that's just, it is what it is. Mm -hmm. But the choice began to change when I chose to follow Jesus. Because in following Jesus, you have to look at the emancipator of all of the all of the people that have been enslaved. The women have been hurt and abused, and et cetera, et cetera. Jesus Christ is the answer, and here's how He becomes the answer. <clears throat> As you begin to learn about Him, and you're taught by Him, and you're taught by the Scriptures that guide us you will find that any racial hatred or even, I think, erroneous distinctions don't find a place in your heart. It has to begin a process of application of what he teaches me versus what I have been led to believe. And he began to help me escape a cultural prejudice that I didn't even know was there until I started identifying it and seeing it and understanding it. And it was never a hatred. I never had any hatred. There are people that hate, you know, hate on both sides. Mm-hmm. Never had hate. But at the same time, I could see things that I grew up with that uh, in my era, you had, uh, you had bathrooms that would be one for, for the black people and one for the white people. Mm. And I've seen restaurants the same way. They have to eat in a separate section. And our movies were separate sections. We went together, but they were in separate sections. Mm-hmm. And the schools were segregated. <clears throat> and uh, uh, there was uh, the law of separate but equal at that time. So their, their schools were actually better than the ones we were in at the time because of the fact we had old schools and they were getting ready to be replaced. But that was... I guess it appeased the conscience and thinking, well, separate but equal, all that, but separate is not equal. <clears throat> and that's that's even true now. And that's what disturbs me. And what disturbs me is that I don't like the separateness. I don't like that. I don't like it. And what's going on right now is that you're forced to choose sides. And I don't like that. Because each side of these arguments have a good and a bad, both of them, good and bad. Now, they don't see it that way. But I'm looking at trying to look at this from a a biblical standpoint and from a point of view that Christ is looking at it. And yes, there's been systemic prejudice. Yes, it's obvious. Mm -hmm. And there's good reasons to protest that. But there are bad ways to protest it, too. Mm-hmm. So you have a good and a bad there. And then you have 
on the other side, you have, yeah, what about, what about this? And they have their what about this? And so I'm in a situation that I have the media and I have everybody else telling me that I've got to choose a side. And I don't choose a side. What I want to do is I want to choose the right and good way of each side. Mm. And if I can be a peacemaker, I want to bring them together to discuss and work on the right, and let's get rid of the wrongs. Mm-hmm. Now, am I naive? Well, probably so. Mm. I would imagine that there might be people that will hear this, and they will want me to be pulled one side or the other, but I'm not going there with it. I'm, I'm, I'm going for Jesus here. Mm-hmm. Even my voting, I'm voting for Jesus. Mm-hmm. And uh, <clears throat> I think he's the answer, Brian. I know he was the answer in my life. I know that he had to, he had to go begin with my core beliefs. We think of Peter, the rock, right? Mm-hmm. He's the man, this great leader that God raised up to be there uh, leading the church at that point. Of course, they were all co-leaders, mm-hmm. right? There was one leader, and that's the Holy Spirit. Jesus is the head, and they played their part. But we tend toward thinking about those uh, people as saints, that they would become one day. But when they were operational, they were ordinary men. <clears throat> I mean, what you got with Peter is he was a prejudiced man. And you're talking about he was prejudiced against the Gentiles. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. And, and he had a hard time with that in embracing them, even expanding the gospel out to them. And if you follow that, you'll see that he was, he had to let it go. Now, where did it come from? It was the culture he was raised in and the separation of cultures. <clears throat> and so, you know, there's a, this is even in the church, it began early, right? And it also was shown early to be wrong. So what that tells you about what the way I look at it is that I don't think I could really know Jesus and, and hate my brother or to look at someone and prejudge them based on their race or cultural distinctions, a lot of other things. Mm-hmm. It's, it's incidental, I guess you'd say, that I have a, a good friend a, a man that I know quite well. I had known him for a while. But uh, he happens to be a pastor who happens to be black. Mm-hmm. And in the early years of my trying to navigate waters where I would not offend by ignorance and by saying things that are, you know, basically culturally insensitive. Mm-hmm. And I'm having to learn this. I think that's what we have to do. We have to operate around those things. And he was helping me. And he, and he was teaching me about uh, the, the, the phrase erroneous distinctions in the body of Christ. And I said, what does that mean? He said, well, he says, let me give you an example. I said, okay. He said, I'm going to use you. All right. I said, okay. He says, uh, how would you describe me to your friends? I'd say, well, Robert, you'd be my, my, my dear friend who's a, a, a black pastor down in, in Little Rock. And he says, well, let me ask you this. Could I just be your friend and not be black? Hmm? 
Could I be your friend and not be a pastor? What is the most important thing that I am to you? I'm your friend. And so when we make these erroneous distinctions to try to describe somebody, we reveal what we don't understand about how we look at people. Yeah. Right? <clears throat> now, does that make me insensitive to different races and different cultures? Because they value their race. They value their culture. They value their tint of skin. And I've got a little boy like that in my life, my grandson. Mm -hmm. So how am I going to uh, love him and yet uh, let him feel very special, created by God to be the way he is, to look like he is? It's not going to deal with the outside things of Isaiah. It's going to be his heart and his soul and my love for him and my nurturing him, loving him like Jesus. And I think I was ready for this before he was ever brought into our family because God began dealing with that in my life, and it had to do with my relationship with Jesus. And he was that's essence saying, you can't go any further here, buddy, unless we deal with the things that hinder our relationship, and I'm not going to let you look outward at other people and see them in a way that you used to as a, in the culture you were raised in. Now, does that mean I hate that culture? No, good grief. Look, I love my Southern culture. And there's as much prejudice in the Northern culture as the Southern culture, maybe more, because it has to do with hate. You know, Brian, a lot of people don't know this about me, but uh, back in 1967, right before I was going to the St. Louis Cardinals in the football NFL when I went there, training camp, my father had um, had honored a, a, a maverick strike at, at the place he worked for 40 years until he saw that the people that were leading that were just charlatans, hooligans. You know, they were they were doing bad things. They were they were hurting people. They were destroying stuff and everything and. And he had to look at that and he had to weigh the options and that is, can I follow this leadership and the way they're doing this or uh, do I have to live with my conscience? And he had to live with his conscience and he had to move forward. And he, he uh, went back to work and went across that union uh, strike line. And he was highly respected there. And, uh, but uh, he was beat up and he was probably about 55 years old at the time, maybe a little older actually. He's beat up and then uh, he came home and now I'm getting ready to go in the NFL. So, you know, I'm pumped up and a drilling jockey. And I saw him and uh, and I wanted to find who it was and I was just gonna beat the heck out of him. And that's the way I dealt with things then. He looked at me and said, no, no, son, don't, don't do this. He says, they're, they're, they're scared. They're, uh, they're angry. Uh, they're, going, they're doing things they regret. They will regret it. And we can't deal with them the same way. So he kept going back to work. And about two nights before I was to leave to fly to Lake, uh, right, right out of Chicago, where we had our training, camp. Um, 
Some people surrounded my parents' home with shotguns. And I was gone at the time and buckshot. And they shot in every window, car, it blew everything out. And my mother and father and and uh, sister and her two little children had to lay on the floor to keep them getting killed. And we later found out that they were the people who led that union. And we also found out that they were the same people that were doing the same thing under the name of white supremacy. Hmm. So it had nothing to do with race, did it? It had to do with hatred. And this is what prejudice is. This is what it is. The, the evil is hatred. Mm -hmm. The evil is pride to think that I'm right and you're wrong. And I'm not going to be drawn into that. I'm not going to be drawn into your wrongs to support your right, but I will join your right on both of your rights. And my mission is to get you two together. And I think that's the mission of this ministry is to be peacemakers, hmm. to be reconcilers. I hate what I'm seeing. It breaks my heart. Mm -hmm. And I'm not going to react. I, I see things that I, I, I hate what I'm seeing. I hate the media stuff. I hate the, the sensationalization of things to give you a snapshot of one thing but leave out the story. I mean, what we're seeing is that we're seeing some people that are going with their Bibles and their prayers to bring awareness to a problem. Then you see some people that are coming in and they're criminals and they're breaking and mobbing and burning. And they're taking attention away from the real discussion that needs to be had. And so we've got to separate it. We've got to separate, get the good out of this stuff. Listen to the good. Separate the good from the bad. And it's got to be all of us working together. It has to be the whites, the blacks, the Asians, all of us are working together to find the good here. And if this ministry can be peacemakers to broker that in some way, form, or fashion, I'd love it. But the only thing I do know, as far as I'm concerned, I can broker my relationships hmm. and not look at erroneous distinctions and to, and to value like Jesus values and love like Jesus loves. And I'm going to depend on that. That's my strategy. You know, um, <clears throat> we talk about spiritual warfare, and, and uh, Paul said our enemy is not against flesh and blood. You know, it's against principalities. And and uh, and in a verse that God keeps bringing in front of me the last few days is uh, in Exodus when uh, he was given Moses, when God was given Moses the Ten Commandments, he talks about how he visits the iniquities, the sins of the fathers to the third and fourth generation. You know, and I, and I think about a lot of this hatred and all that is is insidious. It's like it's like sin, and but and it's been handed down to generation to generation. So some people have hatred in their heart, and they don't even really know why. It's just been it's kind of what you're talking about, where you come from. You just it gets handed down. But the but then God also says, "But I visit love to a thousand generations." Mm -hmm. 
And, and I think what we're doing in Influencers is trying to help people learn how to abide in Christ so they'll find love. Love with the Father and the love of the Father and then love for their fellow man. Yeah. And then you show that you're, you're His disciples by the way we love one another. And then, and then that'll help us do a better job of all this that we're talking about here, of being agents of love, don't you think? Yes, I do. And you know, Brian, I, I think that if you take the majority of the people, majority of people want peace. They want peace in their own life and peace with each other. It's the agitators that are, are providing and provoking uh, this problem. And, I th and this has got to be when the majority takes the stand here and says, we're not going to listen to you. We're, I, honestly, I'm, I'm getting to the point, I don't even listen to politicians anymore. Mm. Because it's getting to be, I don't know, you can't even hear them. Mm. A lot of times they say things, you can't hear them. And, and there's just a lot of stuff out there that just makes me so discouraged for my country. But I'm not hope without hope, because I know the answer. I know the answer. The answer is going to be Jesus. The answer is going to be the body of Christ starting to live like him, walk like him, mm. love like him, act like him. The church in this country could be the greatest reconcilers in this nation. We should be the reconcilers. The church, the body of Christ across the board from Baptist to Catholic to Pentecostal to Methodist, ever different one that, that has a distinction in the way they like to worship and the doctrine that they follow. But at the core of it, Jesus Christ is what we all believe. Mm. Son of God, Holy Spirit, we all have that in common. So let us come together with that which we have in common and let's be the peacemakers to this country. Mm. That's the answer. I agree. And, and thinking about Jesus, I, the other thing that I'm thinking about lately is that the story he told of the, the Good Samaritan. You know, the, the man got beat up and was wounded, bleeding on the side of the road. And all the religious types went to the other side of the road and passed him by and mm -hmm. didn't want to help him. The ones who would call themselves religious or whatever in, in the way that Jesus tells the story. But it was someone who would have been his enemy, one who would have had, who would be prejudiced, he would be prejudiced against, is the one who stopped to help him yeah. and bandage him up and take care of him. I mean, what a great lesson that Jesus taught us. And I, I, I think of that Samaritan as influencers. Mm -hmm. I, I want us to be, I want us to search our hearts and see, are we those kind of guys? Mm -hmm that will, will help someone who's different than us, who even might even feel like our enemy, and help help them and bandage them up and do what we can do to love them. We have a great opportunity. I've said this all along, but I, I feel like the, the pandemic and then now this and the world condition, I mean, look, good grief, look around you. In three months, look what's happened to this country. Three months? Yeah. The pandemic? turned our great economy into almost trashes, trashed it. And now when we start to finally try to come out and dig out, then this happens. And we are being uh, bantered around. We are really, really being hurt. Mm -hmm. 
And I don't know that any, uh, any answer for this is going to be found except in what we find in Jesus. But this is where the application's got to be made. We can't just talk about it. Right. This is where we got to live it out. We got to live it out. And so what is our mission? Our mission is to, to make him famous. Our mission is to get people in proximity with him. Well, why do we do that? Because we know that's where life change occurs. Yeah. Our mission is get people to Jesus, not to us, not to each other, to get people to Jesus. And the fruit of that, getting them to Jesus, will be reconciliations with each other. Mm -hmm. That's right. That'll be a, it'll just be a natural byproduct. It should be. It's the cause and effect. Well, and and I know um, I would say the majority of the people that have gone through influencers are white, and I, I it's not by ch not because we designed it that way. It's just kind of kind of people just invite people they know, I guess. And is is there par perhaps maybe an opportunity for us to all think think outside the box a little bit and, and try to reach a. I, I try to get to know people that are from different races or whatever. I, I, I you know, just trying to, because uh, we know what's going to change everybody is is that transformation with Jesus. So we got to get more people into the journey group that that where He can help them, you know, and help them find the answers they're looking for, you know. So maybe we just need to open our minds or pray more, pray more for opportunities to for all different kinds of people to go through the journey. Yeah, and, and I think get rid of erroneous distinctions. Right, that's right. And, you know, the, the thing is that the, the, the black men and women that I know personally, I love them. Yeah. I love them. And I love going to their church and worshiping with them. I love it. Mm. I've, I've, I've taught, preached in, in one. I'm not a preacher, but I was, I guess it was in that instance. And... Uh, the reinforcement I got was so encouraging. There's a rhythm. There's a, a uniqueness. There's a culture. And some people would say they don't like it because it's not their culture. But that's the funny thing about what's happened to this proximity thing that I've had with Jesus. It's made me enjoy the differences mm -hmm. to enjoy and and admire and love the different ways people worship and you see this is the the, the good and the bad situation i choose the good mm -hmm. i choose the good that these people are coming and, it, and i think when we begin to understand the body of christ that we need to listen to each other and choose the good in each other and let's emphasize that. Let's come together. And then that's going to have a positive effect in reaching out to other people mm. that are not in the faith because they see that. That's right. They see the fruit of the Spirit in our life. They see the relationships, the community, that which Jesus gave his life for. And they won't end. Mm. Well, as we wrap up, Rocky, uh, would you just just pray a brief prayer of healing over our country and for our influencers out there. Sure. Well, Father, uh, we are in a, a location that we're, we're uh, remote from our office and 
we're in the midst of things that are happening here. We're having little disruptions. and But we're glad that, that we're not just established in a rut, that we're being challenged all the time to get outside of our comfort zones and change our forms if necessary, but always keep the heart of it. In fact, even intensify the heart of, a, of about our relationship with you. You're the answer. You're the answer for this country. Now there are people that oppose that. They don't want that answer. They want their way, but they'll never get the peace that they want and the reconciliations and all the other things, harmony even, that they want the way they're going. It's gotta be found at the cross, the resurrection, the empty tomb. It's gotta it's got be the, your spirit indwelling in us and reaching through us to each other. Our country is in despair and we need you, Lord to come and help us, to show us the way. Help, your, help the body of Christ, your church, your family, our family, be the reconcilers that you would raise up for a time such as this. Father, indeed, the harvest is great, but the laborers are few. We pray you'll raise up laborers, many layers, many, many laborers who will be able to wade into this out there and, and bring the sides together and help them discuss the rights of each side and dispel the wrongs. It's a big task. It's a big prayer. But you are a big God. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. This is the Influencers Network Podcast. I'm Brian Craig, encouraging you to abide in Christ and go make disciples.